Good morning, everybody. The sun came out, man. Y'all, I thought you would give me something better than that. Good morning, everybody. The sun's out, just FYI. In case you don't know what the sun looks like, it's out there. Hopefully, it'll still be there when you get out. You didn't know you moved to Seattle when you came here to San Antonio. We're so glad you're here. My name is Danny Rivers, and I'm one of the pastors here today. And I'm so glad you're here today for a specific reason. Well, I'm always glad you're here. But today, we're starting a brand new series called Some assembly required. I'm going to just jump right into it. When I was a kid, I uh, liked the idea of model airplanes and model cars. Does, does anybody know what I'm saying? Like you buy them in a box and you put them together. Now I know that the, the kids in the room, you didn't realize this because before Minecraft and Roblox and <laughs> we had things that we used glue and that we touched them and we physically manipulated them to put them together. I know you do it all on your phone now, but there was a day when you would get the glue on you and it would stick your fingers together and then you would have to try to rip it off until it would take off a layer of your skin. It's called crazy glue. Uh, they made a Lego movie about it one time. Uh, Craggle, anybody remember this from Lego movie? Anyways, Lego movie fans. Lego fans in the house today? Because you know what I'm saying. We actually had to touch these things and put them together, see? Um, my issue with these was that I would have this incredible vision of what it could look like, mostly because they put an amazing picture of it on the front uh, of the box, right? And, um, but the issue was always in the fine print, because they would show these things on commercials. Um, and in the fine print, it would say, some assembly required. Oh, well, it doesn't just like magically morph itself together? Because that's what I hoped for, you know? Now, as a dad... Those, those three words will make the hair stand up on the back of any dad's neck, particularly on Christmas morning. It strikes fear and, and puts dread in the heart uh, and takes away the Christmas spirit altogether because not only is there some assembly required, but nowadays there's some disassembly required because you can't actually take the thing right out of the package anymore. Come on, come on somebody. You know what I'm saying with this, right? You need like a laser to cut through that plastic. What is that plastic made out of? They should make airplanes out of that plastic. You could just crash and nothing would happen. Am I lying? Like you need a laser. Like, like you need a scalpel to cut the little cords off of, of the doll and all of her various giblets. You know what I'm saying? All the little, like, like why does this tiny little fake mirror, why does it need to be champed down like, like, a, like it's a nuclear weapon? Come on, man, we should make a demonstration against these toys because before I've ever had the chance to put it together, I've lost the Holy Spirit in my life, <laughs> taking it out of the package. Right? Like, like I've seen, I feel like that, that, that when we transport nuclear weapons, they're, they're less tied down than Barbie. You know what I'm saying? Um, it's like Hannibal Lecter when they were trying to move him. Do you remember that from the Silence of the Lambs? He's like, what? He's like, like a thing on his face. It's like, that's what your doll, like, hello, Clarice, you know, and you're like, open it <laughs> Christmas morning. Some assembly required, right? Now, now, that little phrase could mean a whole lot of things, right? It could mean anything from a couple of screws, a little screwdriver action, and voila, it's put together. Or in my case, it might actually mean that there is no chance that you, Danny Rivers, um, can put this together. That's what it means. Like, you better call your dad the engineer and your MacGyver brothers-in-law, uh, brother-in-law and brothers, um, because you have no capacity even to concentrate on this for more than four minutes um, before you go, squirrels, you know? And, uh, 
And furthermore, my brain just doesn't work like that. I, I don't, anyways, some assembly required. It's like the, the Ikea slogan. Am I right if you've ever bought Ikea furniture, right? Like I remember buying my first grill. Uh, we had been married about a year, my wife and I. And I was living in Mississippi and I, and I, I thought, well, every dude needs a grill and I'm gonna get me a grill. And so I drove over to Lowe's and, and it was about a town about 30 miles away to go to Lowe's. That's how small my town was anyways. Um, and we go over there and I get this thing and I call friends on the way. I'm like, dude, we're going to have a party at my house tonight, dinner party. And they knew I could cook. So they're like, hey, let's go over to Danny's house. He's going to grill with his new grill. And I, I saw a sign there that said, you know, professional assembly, like $15. This was 20 years ago. So it's like a lot more than that now. But, and I was like, nah, pff, I got this. You know, it's some assembly required. No big deal. So two boxes, right? And I was like, that should have been my first clue. Why, why is there two boxes? Because I just need the one that you pull it out and put it on. And then you just hook up the gas, right? And... Um, yeah, so, like, you know, it was one of those deals where if you had a cuss word in your heart, it was going to come out, you know what I'm saying? You shouldn't have, but if you have it, it comes out. Anyways, that's a whole other problem. Um, but but I, I remember getting along and going, this isn't going well, you know? I'm, I'm trying to put it together, and it's about 6 o'clock, and I'm like, they're coming soon, and, and I don't have this thing together. And then I finally get it all together, and it's kind of lopsided a little bit. And then I'm like, but what's all that stuff for over there? There's like a million other giblets over there. I'm like, what? What is all that for? Needless to say, we did not have a grill that night. We did not grill any food. I didn't cook at all. And it was also the time, I shouldn't probably tell this story, but I did it in the first service. I feel like I owe it to you guys. It was the time when our cat decided to have a litter of kittens that night before, and one of them didn't quite make it. And I was like, well, what do we do with this thing? And I was like, I don't want to throw it in the trash. I don't, I don't, I don't have time to bury it. It's nighttime. So I, I did what any sane man did. I put it in the freezer, you know? And... Uh, <laughs> And of course, my buddy's like, dude, you didn't cook for me. I'm going to at least get me a drink. And he reaches in there. He screams like a blood cur- He's like, what is this? Is this a kitten? And I'm like, oh, man, I forgot about the pop kitten in there. The ki- Dinner, right? Grill. This really happened to me. The party was wrecked. All because some assembly required. I'm not telling that story in the third service. I feel a lot of judgment coming at me right now. You put a kitten in the freezer? It was dead, man. I didn't know what to do with it. Anyways. Now, here's the deal. Some of you aren't going to get over that moment right now. Here's the deal, though. Every, everything, um, everything awesome in life, you know, your car, your truck, your phone, your house, somebody had to put that together. Somebody had to assemble that. And th- thank God it wasn't me, right? Um, but, but there are some things that it just means more to you if you had a hand in building it, right? Like if you had a hand in putting it together. When you go out and sit on that deck and you know, man, I put this together. Or your kids, you watch your kids out there playing on their swing set that you brought home from Costco. And, and you put it together, there's such a sense of accomplishment or, or legacy even right before they fall off because it broke apart because you weren't very good. No, I'm kidding. Um, but, but if you've ever helped build something from scratch or you've helped take something that needed improvement and made it better, like you got this picture on the internet on Pinterest of a fire pit or, or that deck or ladies, whatever it is that you guys put together, um, knit or craft or whatever. Maybe you build decks. That would be awesome too. Right? But, but it takes work, and you get this vision for it, and it takes time, and sometimes you have to call your brothers-in-law, like I do every time, and, 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 and get some help. But, but the end result is beautiful, and you feel, you feel good about it, that you had a hand in it. And when you're building it, 
man, you're, every day you're like, especially because my brother-in-law and I built my deck and we were like constantly, I was thinking, he wasn't thinking about it. He's like thinking, man, how did I get suckered into this? You know, but I was thinking, let's get it done. I can't wait to go out there and sit on it. I don't know what I'm going to do when I'm out there. That was when I started drinking coffee, by the way. I was sitting out there going, huh, I have a deck. What do you do out here? So I got coffee. I started drinking coffee. That's how that happened. Anyways, some assembly required. Now, I'm actually going to preach now. All right, you're like, what? What is, what is this? I, I want to talk about that, all of that this morning um, as it relates to the church, our church, this specific church. We're about to celebrate 10 years next month, which is just mind-numbing for me. For me, it is. Um, thank you. And... And God has done so much in these 10 years, like hundreds of people have come to faith in Jesus and hundreds of people have been baptized and marriages that have been restored and just God has done incredible stuff. And literally we've given away hundreds of thousands of dollars to missions, both local and global. We've helped plant three churches in the last year and a half. Um, it's been incredible, but but the truth is, is we're just getting started, man. Literally, we're just getting started. And, and for us to go to where we want to go, where God has us to go, man, there's some assembly required. There's some assembly required. Because there's a church that God sees. And there's a church that God sees, and he's put a vision for that church in our hearts. Um, and and, and we, we, we describe it, with four phrases, this, the vision of our church is that we want to help people know God, like, like people who don't know God or people who are stagnant in their relationship with God. They've really never gotten to know him. We want to help people know God. We do that primarily on Sundays. That's what we do here on Sundays. Um, and then we want to help people find freedom from their yesterdays, from their hurts, their habits, their hangups, the baggage of yesterday. And we, everybody has this. We all know we all have this baggage. I certainly have. And we do that primarily through life groups. We see people find freedom from their yesterdays. And then we want to help people discover their purpose. Like if they don't know what their purpose is, we want to help them do that. And the catalyst for that is, life, is growth track, which is happening right after this service. Matter of fact, just right over here. There's a team out there that would be happy to help you with that. And then we want to help people make a difference, to join a team. And, and we do that primarily through the, the dream team. And so we have people from our dream team who serve around the city, who serve in prisons, who who serve here at the local church and, and, and do all these things. And, and, and all of that um, is how we help folks move from where they are to where God wants them to be. That this is, this is the vision for how we get that done. That people come wherever they're at in their walk with God, or even if they don't have a walk with God, wherever they are to where God wants them to be, we just want to help folks, and we want to go on that journey ourselves to just go from where we are to where God wants us to be. That, that's the church that God sees, but there's also a you that God sees, um, and, and, and in both cases, there's some fine print, there's some assembly required. We're, we're going to get into the you part of this over the next few weeks, but I want to read the verse for, for the you part of, of this. I just want to read this verse because it's so poignant. Second Peter for, uh, chapter 1, verse 5, Peter writes, for this very reason, would you read this next line with me? Make every effort to add to your faith. Goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, what? Love. 
the early church fathers called these the capital virtues, the capital virtues. And we're gonna get into a little bit of this and our vision over the next few weeks. But today, um, th- this verse, let me, let me back up. This verse, you know what this verse is saying to you and me, those of us who are Christ followers, is that you're not done, right? You're, you've not yet arrived. You're awesome, of course. You're amazing. But you've not yet arrived. You've got some stuff that you're going to need to add to uh, your faith. Like, you're gonna have to go, what's missing in my walk with Christ that I can add? And probably it's one of these things here. But today I wanna talk specifically, and this is a different message for me. If you're new here, you're like, this is, this is different. It is different than we normally do, but it's kind of a vision Sunday for us. And, and so I just wanna talk about the church that God sees and, and the church that we see and and we're not done. We're about to celebrate 10 years, but we're not done. And furthermore, God's not done. And it's not even close, man. What God's going to do over, over the next few years is going to blow um, our minds. But there's some assembly required. It's like this vision that I had to create a model when I was a kid, and I never actually finished one, ever. Right? I started a lot of them, but it's just like, squirrels! And then it was over, and I didn't do it. But, 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 but... I'm, I'm going to need help, and I always did. I always needed help realizing anything that required mechanical skills or ingenuity at all. Like, I needed help with that. Um, and, and it's the same thing with our church. I want you um, to envision the church God sees here at LifePoint. I just want a paint, to paint a picture, and I've painted this picture before, but I want to do it again. And I just want you to use your mind to think these with, with me. This is the church that for most of us in the room, God has planted us here, that God um, is using you in or wants to use you in, and I want you to imagine it being a better version of itself. Imagine LifePoint being the most welcoming church in the city, right? Uh, Smiles for miles, we like to say, high fives and generous and life-giving gestures and predictably every weekend where people just feel warmly welcomed. And imagine... Life point being crowded, and sometimes in March you have to really imagine that because March, as soon as it turns to March, it's like everybody goes, nah, I'm going to skip church for the next month. It's, we, we get it. It happens every year, right? Uh, but you really have to imagine this in March. I- imagine more services. We just added a third. We already had one this morning. If you're new here, we already had one this morning. We had another one coming in a minute here. Um, but imagine more services, and they're, and they're crowded, and, and there are cars lined up at the entry, and there are officers directing traffic in and out of our church, and people aren't just coming from the around, surrounding neighborhoods, but we've gone multi-site, and people are coming from all over the city, and lines are forming to check in kids at Kids Point and check them out, and you're like, no, that already happens, man. Yeah, well, imagine it's even bigger or whatever. Uh, salvation's happening every weekend and people being baptized every weekend and people starting uh, the, the process every weekend of growth track, getting planted in the house of the Lord in our church. M- maybe if you're serving, you imagine twice the amount of people who are serving now on your team, twice that many serving, which for some of you, you'd be like, amen to that because we need some more folks on that team. Um, but, and they're excited to serve and, and they can't wait to to get there to serve and actually show up on time to serve. Oh, praise the Lord. Anyways, <laughs> thankful to serve. Just throwing that little tidbit out there. You know, just pastoring while I'm up here, right? I, I did put a cat in, cat in the freezer. I'm capable of anything, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Somebody just walked in, they're like, you did what? Go back and listen to the tape. Anyways, um, imagine LifePoint having an impact in the neighborhoods. Not just for the people who come in here, but the people out there that we impact the neighborhoods and we impact 
the city, and we have people with massive influence in our city, people that you know and have heard coming to our church and serving the purposes of God and, and pushing the ball down the field. Um, imagine that being the new norm, the consistent reality of what our church looks like in the future. Imagine a church where everybody's welcome and nobody's perfect and anything is possible. Imagine that's the reality. I'm asking you to picture this with me today because what you're imagining is what God wants for us. Amen. Just to be clear, what I'm saying right now is what God has for our local church community. That he wants our church to stand out in this community, that he wants to give us favor uh, to, to expand. He wants to give us resources to expand and to grow and, and to have influence. And he wants us to be a place of hope and, 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 and healing, attracting new people and equipping people to serve and growing people and not growing people and going, oh, these people are all ours, but sending people out to start new churches or new campuses or to do missions work or, or to start new ministries, right? To not just meet together once a week, but to be on mission together because we're the church. Anybody glad you're part of the church? Yeah. Amen, come on, yeah. We're not called just to meet together, but we're called to be on, on mission together and there's nothing on earth more valuable to God than his church. And I'm not talking about just this church. I'm just talking about the, the global church. There's nothing more value, valuable to him than that because of the mission that he's put inside the local church. A, a, a Christian is who we are individually, but the church is who we are collectively. And he loves us as individuals and we'll, go, we'll leave the 99, it says, but there is nothing more valuable on earth than who we are collectively. And this is how Ephesians, Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 23, this, this is what he says, and this is from the message translation. He says, this is verse 20, all this energy issues from Christ, and God raised him from death and set him on a throne in deep heaven in charge of running the universe and everything from galaxies to governments, no, no name, no power exempt from his rule, and not just for the time being, but forever. He is in charge of it all and has the final word on everything. And then think about this, the galaxies and all the names that you've ever heard and all the famous people and all the powerful people, uh, all of them are ruled by him. And at the center of all of that, Christ rules the church. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts, by which he fills everything with his presence. So, so when you think about the word peripheral, when you think about the peripheral, it's things on the margins. It's things that are not the focus. There's something else in the focus. And, 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 and this verse is reminding us that, that the, 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 the church is not on the peripheral of the world. It's not in the margins of the world, but that the world is at the margins of the church. The church is Christ's body, right? In which he speaks, and as much as God loves the world, he loved it so much, John three sixteen says, that he gave his only begotten son, right? But that the church is not peripheral to the world. Even though he loves the world, it's not peripheral to the world. God's compassion is for the world, but he concentrates his compassion through his local church. That's how he does it. Why? Why is all this true? Because the church is how he's chosen to reach the lost people in our city. It's Christ's body in which he speaks and acts, by which he fills everything with his presence, one building at a time, one neighborhood at a time, one home at a time, one person at a time, until his presence fills 
our city and our neighborhoods and our community. And Jesus is on mission with this. And there's a real urgency for him about this. Now, if you read the stories in the Gospels that Jesus tells about lost things and lost people, particularly the parable, um, the three parables in Luke 15, where there's a parable of a, of a lost sheep. Um, and Jesus tells a story about a shepherd who will leave the 99 going out looking for the lost one, the lost sheep. And then there's another parable about a lady who has 10 coins, but she's lost one of them. And she turns her house upside down. She's got nine others, but she turns her house upside down looking for that one coin. And then there's the story of the prodigal son and a father who represents God in, in Jesus' story who goes out looking for that one boy who's lost, who doesn't give up on him, who doesn't say he's gone too far, he's made too big of a mess, but he goes out looking for him. And, and then this says that at the end of every story that, that heaven rejoices over one sinner, one lost person who comes back home. That God has, is distracted by what is lost, that his focus is on what is lost. That Jesus said that his mission was to seek and save those who were lost. And God is building his church one person at a time. And people matter to God and lost people matter to God more than anything else in the world. And, and if you've ever lost anything of real value to you, then you know what that's like. You ever lost your wallet or your keys and it's time to go to work or your phone and everybody else is like, eh, yeah, go for, you'll find it. Where was it the last time you had it? You're like, if I knew that, I would go straight to it. And they're eating their cereal, and you're frantic and freaking out. Like, have you ever lost one of your kids, right? Like, that's the worst. You're at Six Flags, and they were there, and they're not anymore, and you're like looking for the, like, like looking at everybody. Do you have my kid, you know? Lost your dog. It's like, the, it's the most heartbreaking thing to to lose something of value. But if you've ever had that moment where you're like, no, where is it? Then I think you get a little glimpse and you felt a little bit of the glimpse of the, of the heart of God and his heart for lost people. And it, and it brings me to this quote that I've read every single year of our church's history, all 10 years I've read this quote, and I probably will never stop. It's from Louis Giglio, a pastor in, in Atlanta. He says, I think the dilemma is whether the believers, the followers of Jesus, are going to cloister together and just keep singing worship songs over and over and enjoying their faith and their walk with Christ until the end, or whether they're going to let God's heart start beating inside of their heart. If that happens, it's going to break their heart and propel them outside of their circles and outside of their buildings. In other words, it's going to propel them outside of making church and what we do in church and what we do out of church about them. What, what, does, what does God's heart beat for? Like, like, what's his passion? If God's heart were to somehow start beating inside of our hearts, what would that look like? If we could see the world as God sees the world, what would we see? I, th I think from his vantage point, he sees seven billion people on this planet. The best estimates are out there that there are 2.1 billion Christians. I think that's probably high. But what that means then is that 
We'll give, it, we'll give them 2.1 billion, but that means that 4.9 billion people are headed for a Christless eternity. Can, can you see that with him? Can you feel the weight of 4.9 billion people? Can you feel the pain of that from, from heaven's point of view? And can you, can you understand then why the church is so important because it's through the church that God reaches lost people. Not exclusively, but primarily. It's how he reaches lost people. You know, as a kind of reminder for those of you who maybe are new here or haven't, don't know the heartbeat of this church, it kind of goes back into our DNA. It's an old kind of phrase, a churchy phrase, that the church is not a museum for saints. It's a hospital for lost people, for hurting people, for broken people. That's why we exist. This is a place for messy people. This is a place for screw-ups and mess-ups, for people who have serious flaws, for people who have defects. Come on, somebody. <clears throat> right, you say amen on that one. That's me right there. Woo, he got to mine, right? Because this is who Jesus came to save, right? And, and however imperfect we may be at this, and we make mistakes all the time, as a church... We are the vehicle that God uses to save people just like us. And that's always going to be our focus. And that really makes some people crazy. Like, like I always tell people at, at Growth Track, you're going to hate it here if you can't have a heart for what Jesus has a heart for. You're going to hate it here. You might as well go somewhere else where it's all going to be about you because we are not going to let that happen here. We're going to love you. We're going to come alongside you. We're going to help you. But at the end of the day, we're going, who's next? Who does God want us to see saved, right? There, there's this place in, in the Gospels, in Matthew's Gospel in particular, where there's this sermon that Jesus preached. It's the greatest sermon that's ever been preached. One day, I'm going to have the guts to just stand up here and read Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and then go amen and walk away and drop the mic because it is the greatest message that's ever been preached. And there's this place that's called the Beatitudes, um, and it, it talks about who's blessed and who has the good life. And Matthew 5 and 3, Jesus says, blessed, blessed are the poor in spirit. Happy is that word really translated. Happy are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And, and Dallas Willard, who's, who's gone on to be with the Lord, he, he writes in one of his books, he says, those poor in spirit are called blessed by Jesus, not because they are in a meritorious condition, but because, but because precisely in spite of and in the midst of their ever so deplorable condition, the rule of the heavens has moved redemptively upon them and through them by the grace of Jesus Christ. That's from Dallas Willard. And he says, in their ever so deplorable condition. That's who Jesus was talking to. Do, do you remember from our last election where one of the candidates said something about a basket of deplorables. You remember that? Wasn't the best moment for that person. Um, but, but that's the audience of the, of, of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is saying, blessed are the meek, blessed are the poor, blessed are, he's given all this thing. It's, it's a basket of deplorables. And Jesus chooses from that basket his disciples, those who would follow him. 
That, that's us. Those of us who would name the name of Jesus, that's, that's us. And everybody is welcome, and nobody is perfect, and anything is possible. And we are the basket of deplorables. Like, we, we're nothing more, we're nothing better. And you're like, I'm, I'm better than that. No, no, come on, listen to me, spiritually speaking, right? B- blessed, like, who, who's well off? That's what everybody wants to know. Who's successful in the kingdom? Who's living the dream? And Jesus has the answer to this question in this sermon. Blessed is anybody who is alive in the kingdom of God. Right? Blessed is anybody who is daily interacting with God in God's great venture of bringing up there, heaven, down here, the kingdom on earth. That's what the, Jesus taught more than any other thing. Right? Anybody who has surrendered the burden of ego, anybody who, has, who no longer has to feel like they have to carry the weight of this world's outcomes on their shoulders, anybody who has even for just a moment been truly grateful to God, anybody who finds their safety, not, not in the illusion of avoiding danger or trying to control everything by having a ton of money or power, but, but in the reality, they find their safety in the reality that nothing can separate them from the love of Christ. Anybody who has put God in charge of their lives, that's who's blessed, Jesus goes on to say. And that's us. And I don't know what you think about when you think about the word church, which is the collection of those people. People's minds go in all sorts of directions because of their experiences at this church or that church or this other church. Went to this church and that happened. Went to this church for a while, but they said some stuff and they did some stuff. And so we have all these different ideas around the city uh, about about church. And people are going to totally feel different about it than I do because I see things in a different way because I can't help it. You see things from your way. I see things from mine. And and what's amazing for me now and and disheartening really is is the, the, the ability for some Christians to bash church. Not necessarily just this one, but just church in general, to bash church leaders. Like this week, we, we, last week we lost one of the greatest men in history, I believe, Billy Graham. The most impactful person in my lifetime, for sure, in the body of Christ. And I actually saw people on Twitter bashing him. And I was thinking, and they were Christians. The, one of these guys was a, a famous pastor. And I was like, oh, come on, man. Like, how do you, how do you bash, it's like bashing, bashing Mother Teresa. Like, seriously? You're going to bash Mother Teresa? It's like bashing Martin Luther King Jr. Are you serious? You don't bash these people. They're, they're, they're like, that's who we're aspiring to be. And, and I just found it disheartening that people would do this and that some people have gotten so sort of down on the church that they're embarrassed to say, I'm a Jesus follower, I'm a Christian, right? Uh, but, but that's not God's heart towards the church. He loves his church. And for me, I see my church not as it is, and it isn't perfect, but as it can be. Amen, somebody? Like, and there will be people who say, yeah, but at the church I grew up in and that church I visited, heck, there are people who would say, this church is imperfect. I would be one of them. But what I will say is the church is imperfect, but it is the hope of the world to reach people who are far from God. And my hope is that some of you will begin to see this church with me through the eyes of faith, not as it, as it, as it is, but as it can be. That when we rally, that when we get on, on the same page and when we unify and we move the church forward and we stand tall declaring the praises of the one who, who saved us, who, who brought us to this place. But there is some assembly required. I, I, I want to spend my life redefining what people think when they hear the word church. I want them to think life-giving, home, love, grace, acceptance, power of God 
to save and to heal the miraculous. Like, I want us to get comfortable with the idea that God's favor is on this church, right? Like, this morning as I was praying in my office, I began to pray for the churches around here. There's some incredible churches around us. There's Gateway, and I prayed for John Van Pay, the pastor there, and I prayed for their church, and I prayed for the pastor at Oak Hills and Alamo Ranch, and I prayed for the pastor at the end of the road here at Zion Lutheran, and I prayed for the, the, the city church, um, and, and the, the, the pastor Kevin Flowers, one of my friends who pastors Alamo City Church, and, 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 and I began to pray for these guys, and I prayed God's favor and blessings over them this morning, but I'm not gonna stop and say, like, like I'm gonna pray for them, but God, I want your favor here on us as well. And I don't feel bad going, God, I believe your favor, like you're blessing these churches and I'm, I'm for them and I wanna, I'm on their, we're on the same team, but God, I believe your favor is on us as well, that God's blessing is on this church too. Come on, somebody, amen, right? The, the church is imperfect, but listen, so are marriages, but we don't give up on marriage. Just because somebody else had a bad marriage, just because somebody else's marriage broke up, like why would we be down on the church? Why would we be down on the church as an institution? We should, well, our church is imperfect, no doubt about it, but I'm saying there's some assembly required. I'm asking, man, for those of you who would say, this is my home, this is my church, like, let's create a groundswell for the church to, to unite around the idea that no matter how and what we've experienced in the past, that God has a plan and he has an investment in this church and in the church. It's God's idea. It's plan A. There is no plan B. And the gates of, the he of hell, the Bible says, will not prevail against the church. Amen, somebody. That my church and your church is God's church. It's a church where everybody's welcome and nobody's perfect and anything is possible. And I need us to see the church as Jesus-centered and, and big thinking and not little thinking and grace-filled and life-giving and culture-creating. Do you know why I'm saying all of this? Here's why. The church we see is the church we will be. Come on, somebody. The church that we see is the church we will be, and there is some assembly required. So I need help, man, and I need us to see it, and I need us to say it, and I need us to sow it. We start seeing it the way God sees it. Oh, yeah, this place is full. This place is filled with people who need Jesus. This place is filled with people who may not even believe in Jesus. And that's all right. Kick the tires as long as you need to. Like, we'll be there for you. We'll be patient with you. We'll have your back all the way through. And I need people to see that with me. And I need people to start saying that and speaking that out, that this is the place where God is going to do incredible things. And then I need people who will sow that, going, hey, what do we need to do to make that happen? Because there's some assembly required. Now, let me wrap it up with this. Easter's coming in a month. And I don't know what you think about Easter, whether it's just the bunnies and the eggs and all of that, or if you think of it in the way I do, it's the greatest opportunity that we have throughout in any year to see people who are far from God take next steps with Jesus. It's the greatest, it's the greatest weekend we have to do that. And so this time around, we are stretching our faith. We're gonna have five services on Easter weekend. We're gonna do five. We've, ever, we've done four before, we're gonna do five. And we, the reason we're doing five is not to pad numbers because by the way, we don't take those numbers from Easter and add them to our, our we, don't, we act like it didn't happen except for the people who got saved or baptized. Like the, that, that was an aberration, that was not normal. So we're not even gonna add it. We're, we don't, we're not trying to pad our numbers. Listen, the reason we want a lot of people is here is because this is the weekend where most lost people who are going to come to church, they're gonna come on that weekend. 
And it might be because grandma made them or aunt or Sally or Susie did it. But listen, we're going to take advantage of that. And we're going to talk about Jesus and the hope that he brings and that he's a resurrected king and he's come to seek and save them. That's what we're going to do. And so listen to me. Listen, yeah. So on Saturday, 5 and 6.30, two services, hour long. And by the way, we'll have, we'll have, we'll have Easter egg hunts going on up there like in a different way than we've ever done. It's going to be super fun for the kids. Um, they're going to have a blast doing that. But it ain't about the Easter eggs hunts, right? That's just, that's just bait. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> kind of. But Saturdays, Saturdays really about church people. There, there's all kind of studies that prove that folks who don't know Jesus, they're not coming to church on Saturday night. They're going to come on Sunday. So Saturday night, that's for us. Come out, enjoy yourself, have a blast. Sunday, 5 and 6.30. And then Sunday, our regular time, 8.45, uh, 10.15, and 11.45. And we're going to see, I believe, the greatest number of people that's ever ha- come to our church. And the greatest amount, and it's not about those people because it's about them. They're people that matter to God, that Jesus loves, that he's drawing by his Holy Spirit to this place on this, on this Easter weekend. But there is some assembly required. And we need to feel the weight of this opportunity. If this is your home, we need to feel the weight of this opportunity and step up. So here's what we need from you. You're like, oh, yeah. He, this has been a 43-minute pitch. To, no, I'm kidding. Um, to get us involved. But, but, but here, here's the thing. Listen, wherever you're at, wherever you're at on the journey, if this is home for you, number one, accept the personal responsibility. That's not for the professionals to reach people far from God. It's for all of us to reach people far from God. Here's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians. I want you to read this with me. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, so if you're, if you're in Christ, this is for you. The new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. And all this is from God who reconciled us, the people in Christ, to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, not just the missionaries and the pastors and the people who work at churches. He gave all of us this ministry. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Look at this next line. Not counting people's sins against them. Wow. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. And we are therefore, all of us, Christ's ambassadors. As though... God were making, as though God himself were talking through us. And here's what he would say we, through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Accept the personal responsibility. Number two, develop a personal relationship with people in your world, in your life, at your work. You know, the longer people are Christians, the, the less likely they are to have people who, friends who aren't Christians. What a what a shame that is. How messed up is that? Develop a personal relationship. Number three, look for an opportunity to share your story. And listen, we, we, we want to share our story of what God's done for us. Some people love to share, they, they love to lead with all the things that the Bible says you can't be or do. We're never going to be that church. Some people, we've had people leave our church because we wouldn't lead with that. Like, hey, we're supposed to point everybody's flaws out. No, that's not what we're going to do. That's never, that's, that's never who we're going to be. The Bible says the Holy Spirit convicts. The Holy Spirit leads people into all truth. That's his job. My job is to say, come on in. Everybody's welcome. Nobody's perfect. Anything's possible. So we share our story. Number four, we give a personal invitation. So next Sunday in your chair, there are going to be 
invite cards. We, we put these out there all the time, but this one's going to be different. We're going to ask you to get more than one and not leave it in your chair on the way out. Come on, somebody. I see you. I see you. We see you. We have video cameras recording all of this. We don't. We don't. We don't. Get that card, man, and take it and, and hand it. Like, use it like a Chinese star and, and stab people with it so they'll be like, what? Don't do that either. Don't do that either. Give it out. So here's the evangelism strategy of LifePoint. Build and bring. Build relationships with people. And then when the time's right, bring them to church. Like, you don't have to have charts and graphs and break open the Bible. You can do that if you know how to do that. But if you don't, hey, just help us help your friends and neighbors and coworkers. Help us create by getting them here. Build and bring. Luke 14, this is from Jesus. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them. That's strong language. Like by hook or by crook. If you got to pay them to get here, pay them, right? Pay them off. Compel them to come in. Why? Why? So that my house may be full. If you don't believe it's God's will for the house to be full, then you didn't read Jesus' teaching right there. That's what he wants. It's full right now. He wants it full every service and more services. And then lastly, get on the dream team. Like you're like, I'm not ready to do any of this other stuff. Just help us be ready for those who will come and need Jesus. So our volunteer force around here, we call it the dream team. Can you give one hour a week or two week, every two weeks or once a month? Then you're, you're qualified to join the dream team. You can serve around here. And can I just say to everybody who serves at LifePoint, if you're a volunteer with kids or you work with students or if you lead a life group or if you welcome people or if you show up early to make coffee or if you help us worship, like you guys are the heroes of this church. Thank you. 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 Seriously. And, and, and if you're part of this church but you're not serving, there's not a guilt trip. This is not a guilt trip. But you could be one volunteer moment away from the adventure of a lifetime. And if you think you could be part of the biggest weekend in our history, this coming Easter, it's going to be the biggest weekend in our history, sitting there in your chair, get you, there's a little card in your chair. Hold it real quick. Just wave it at me because I want to just see if you will wave it at me, right? Come on, just wave it at me like a big flag, a banner, right? right? Like if you're not serving, this is a no strings attached. This is a one-time deal. You can just check it out and you never have to do it again if you want to. You don't even have to do it this time. But if you'd like to help with ushers or greeters or parking lot or with our kids team, for that one weekend only, we would love for your help. We would love to, we're going to do it with or without your help, but we would love for you to kick the tires. We think this is the perfect opportunity to check it out. No strings attached. You just take that card, you write your name, and you put your email on there as legibly as you possibly can, right? Because every week I'm like, what does that mean? What does that say? I don't even know how to respond to that because I can't read that gibberish. You know, so write it as clearly as you can. As the offering plates go around here in a minute, drop it in there or you can take it to Next Step Central if you don't get it filled out because you don't have a pen right in front of you. But if you would like to serve one week and you're like, you know what? I realize there is some assembly required and I want to just check it out. Maybe this is something I could do uh, one hour a week or one hour a month, whatever your schedule looks like. But there is some assembly required. I believe that if you get plugged in, that you'll find some soul-level satisfaction. Yeah, it's busy work sometimes, but listen, at the end of the day, every time you see somebody raise their hand for Jesus, you know you had a hand in that. Every time you see a little kid, every week we have kids give their lives to Christ up there, every time you had a hand in that because you served up there. 
It matters what you do around here. It may not feel like it matters, but all of us together, we are the church and we are making a difference collectively in a way that we could never do individually. Amen, somebody? Let me pray for you. Lord, thanks so much for this day. Thank you for your blessings over this day. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the vision you've given us through the scriptures to see people who are far from God come to know you and to to help them be discipled, to become followers of Jesus. We are so grateful for all that you're doing in us. And we're so grateful for the folks who serve, who are partnering with us to see people saved. And we thank you for all that you've done. And we just pray your blessings over our time over energy. God, those of us who are about to go and go to growth track, Lord, I just pray your blessings over them. Those who are just kind of interested or curious, um, Lord, let it be a great time for them and, and, and may they have a blast learning more about themselves and about what you might want to do in their lives. And we just thank you for that and we thank you for this time.